Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. You guys like that new song? Pretty cool? Right on. It's a great chorus. All right, good morning, good morning. We have, as always, a packed day today. Before we jump into groups, kind of get your brains warmed up here, a uh, few announcements I want to let you know. We're going to be doing a little EQ while I'm talking here, so we got it all, all taken care of. Uh, we have our Tijuana Christian Mission uh, trip down. We're going to be visiting the teenagers uh, in June, on June 18th. And so uh, if that's something that you want to sign up for, you can go online for that. And uh, we're, we're getting it. We're getting it. <laughs> if it's me, let me know, David. Um, and so uh, also next Sunday, I'm really excited because the leaders or some of the leaders are going to be coming up and we're doing a Q&A next Sunday to hear God's story in their lives and also how we can support them and also how we can do child support. It's $50 a month. So we're getting it linked up on our website. We're going to have everything there. So that's be really easy for you and just a great way for us to continue to partnership. So that's kind of what's going on the next over the next month as far as just some outreach and mission stuff, things like that. Uh, one other thing I want to let you know about is uh, you guys remember Casey? You remember Casey planning a church? We had him speak, I think, a few months ago in January. Young, really excitable, just good guy there. Um, so they are starting a, uh, they're starting a launch team that's meeting now weekly. Is it? I know, that's, that's actually throwing me off. Let us get this worked out because it's, it's throwing me off. All right, how are we doing? Still there? Still there? If I need to transition to a microphone, let me know because I will not be able to concentrate on that. So just let me know. I can't see you guys, so you have to come up here and let me know if that's something. Um, so we have next... I'm going to move this a little bit. We have next... Um, what was I talking about? Oh, Casey. Go to the microphone. Okay. All right, make sure this, David muted the, the wireless so we don't get any feedback. All right, um, so Casey, they're, they're having a lead team that's been meeting. They're meeting weekly on Sunday nights. They're uh, hopefully launching in the fall. Casey's doing a great job of getting this church started. They're, gonna, they're still looking for a school, but they're praying uh, for the Temecula area. So, um, and we've been trying to support him. We've been supporting him financially. Uh, they used our baptismal. They already did a baptism, even at one of their leadership meetings. So just God's doing some really cool things. And I love his heart, his vision, uh, and the team that they have around. So their leadership team includes brand new Christians. So it's super exciting. Uh, Sunday nights, they meet in Temecula, I believe at Cross Point Church. I think it's like from six to eight or seven to nine. They lost their babysitters. And so anyone, if you know someone that's reliable, any of you want to do it, it's not a lot of money, but they're gonna pay $30 for two hours. So uh, if there's someone, if there's a way you can help, but he said that'd be great because the kids running around makes it tough to have a leadership meeting. And so um, if you know of someone, talk to me or talk to Laura Lee and, and let us know, because even tonight he said they, they appreciate um, something. So uh, let us know on that if that's something you can do, or you know someone that might want to do that, uh, that would be great. 
We're going to be in Luke chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 3 on your phone, or if you bring this thing called a book with you, Luke 3. Jesus, thank you so much uh, that it's not a mystery for us of how to have a good life and eternal life. That's, that's not a mystery. We make it complicated in our world, and we seek things like money and power and position, um, health, looking for a good and eternal life. But the record's clear. None of those things will give it, God. So, Lord, I pray that today we would settle our minds on things that are most important, most fundamental, that have the longest lasting impact. Today is foundational because what, we, what you reveal today, Lord, really frees us up in life. It really unshackles us. And I pray for anyone that feels in prison today, that feels weighted down, that that would be lifted today in your word. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start, uh, and I'm going to start with that first phrase. Um, and this is kind of uh, what today is about. And so it goes like this. Repentance is the catalyst for receiving God's forgiveness and releasing God's power. That's what today's about. Really important for us to understand. For us to follow God, he's very clear over and over in scripture to repent. And we're gonna be breaking that word down about what that means. But this, this understanding of repentance is important as far as for some of us, we struggle maybe to come to know God for the first time in our lives. And that's because we want God to be a benefit in our life, to be a consultant in our life, but not to be a king and savior. And God's really clear, like you don't define who I am, I'm gonna define and you can figure out if you wanna participate or not. He's really clear. And that's difficult because for some of us to come to God, I'm like, but I don't wanna repent. And repent literally just means to change direction. If you wanna write that on your note sheet, when you read the word repent in the Bible, it just means to change direction or to change your mind. Uh, and so, but it's one that's psychological, emotional, and behavioral, all three of those. If you only have one of those, then you're not repenting. It's a change psychologically, emotionally, and behaviorally. That's what the Bible we talk about, right? And so it's the catalyst for you to really experience God's forgiveness you know, sometimes people are like, well, what do I do? Do I pray a prayer? Do I pray? Yeah, I mean, praying a prayer, you probably want to talk to him if he's forgiving you of all your sins. Like, it's probably a good thing. You can thank him. But really what he's looking for is an acknowledgement of being like, you know what? Living life for myself, I'm done with that. I'm going to live life for you. It's as simple as that. And he says, when you do that, when he forgives you, he says, my spirit goes in you. He gives you the gift of his spirit. And his spirit has all the attributes and characteristics of God. That's amazing. That's an amazing gift. But from that, repentance is also a lifestyle. It's not just a one-time event. Because what God is looking to do is he's looking to powerfully change you and use you. Well, how does that happen? It's, it's really from repentance. We see this in Luke chapter 3. We've talked about the first two chapters about humility, right? We kind of hit that over and over again. Well, humility kind of leads into this of a lifestyle of repentance and that we kind of embrace that in our lives. Luke chapter three, we're gonna see why Luke describes the importance of John the Baptist because John the Baptist is a relative of Jesus. He's a little bit older, but he's, he's, to, he's gonna prepare the way for Jesus. 
How do we prepare the way for Jesus to come into our lives? How do we prepare the way for Jesus to change our lives? How do we prepare the way for Jesus to do a great work in our life? John's going to talk about that. And John over and over says, listen, I'm not the Messiah. They tried to make him the Messiah. And he goes, uh-uh. No, 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 no. He's coming. I'm preparing the way. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. Luke's going to describe how John does this. So John is getting popular. He's kind of a freaky dude, and people like freaky dudes. He's got the tattoos. He eats weird food. He uh, wears weird clothes. We like those kind of people, right? He's kind of like a rock star artist, you know, just those artsy people. And that's kind of John, lives out in the desert, doesn't live with everybody else, kind of mysterious. You know, he's out in the desert, and he's eating weird food, and, you know, he's going keto and all that kind of stuff. And so he's like cutting-edge dude, and, and, uh, but he's not self-glorifying at all. He's, he's just trying to point it to God, and, and that's even more more of a, he's standing out even more because back then the religious leaders tend to point to themselves. Hey, if you want to follow God, you need to be more like me. Look how awesome I am. And he's totally different. And so he's drawing crowds. Just so you know, God's going to use this in order to eventually some of those, that, that crowd, they're going to go over to Jesus and the disciples will come from that. Which is really good for us to understand as far as God will use you, never for your own glory, but it's to bring people to him. We get too caught up in building our own ministries, our own life, our own house. Oh, I'm leading this. How's it going on? Like, who cares about you? And that's why Jesus would later say, John the Baptist is one of the greatest Christians ever. Because he just kept pointing it to Jesus. And what we see in John the Baptist's life is he gives and takes away. We're not going to do a whole study on John the Baptist, but I just want to get the setting of who this dude is when you read about him, is his whole ministry, he's getting more popular. He didn't want it. He's like, no, it's not about me. And at some point, Jesus says, the crowds are mine. And he goes, boom, no problem. It's not about me. You would think the greatest Christian ever would kind of live a good old life, right? Because if we follow God, we're supposed to live a good old ripe life and all that kind of stuff. No, he gets beheaded. Because God said, hey, after the crowds are gone, just, it's important to know. The light sometimes is on you and sometimes the spotlight's not on you because God's going to shine in on someone else. I talk about this as a church. We're not a church. We're going to reach the whole valley, access church. How arrogant. There's like hundreds of other pastors and they have a desire to follow Jesus and their church wants to grow. We just play our little role. Sometimes the light will shine on us, sometimes shine on someone else. Praise God, not even about us. That's why we have Casey come here. He's planting a church. I pray God will bless his church even more than ours. But I've met with him for lunch. Sometimes the light's on you and sometimes not. And that's when God tests our heart. Do we love the light or do we love Jesus? Do we love the applause of men and women or do we love the applause of Jesus? This is, even, this is a freebie. This isn't even about the sermon right now. This is free. I'm not even charging you for that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So this is who John is. Verse 7, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. If you ever want to like thin the crowd in church, I'll just call you guys a bunch of snakes. I guarantee next week we're just going to thin the herd, right? Only the committed, they're like, I don't want to be a snake, right? The rest of us are going to walk out, he called me a snake, and we'll never come back, right? I want to go to church that doesn't call me a snake, you know? I'm a butterfly, and I'm flying, and Jesus loves me, right? It's like, so why did he say that? Because God asked them to, and it wasn't about him. He had to trust the Lord, even though it was like, this isn't going to go well. But you never know when God asks you to do something, it might go different than you think. 
So he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with what? So how do we bear fruit from what? You guys don't even want to say the word, huh? You're like, ah. Changing your mind constantly, changing your behaviors constantly. Fruitfulness. Why do many of us lack fruitfulness? Where you, you see, and fruitfulness is this thing of just joy, abundance. Why do I lack love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Not always, but one ingredient for us to look at. I'm not saying this is always the case, but one ingredient could be we're lacking repentance. I want God to bless me. I don't really want him to change me. And God says, my greatest work is to change you because that's when we become more fruitful. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. I grew up in a Christian family. Brian, I've done the camps. I've served in ministry. Dude, I preached a sermon too 20 years ago. I've done, our, our best days are from 10 years ago, 20 years ago. When I was in high school, I was on fire for God. He says, who cares? God doesn't live off the past. He lives for the future. And how do we live for the future? It's constantly engaging in repentance. He wants you to be different than 20 years ago. Not, I reached my peak in 23 when I was leading a college group Bible study and it's just all downhill. No, that's not the fruit of God. So we're missing something. So he says, yeah, don't just, oh, I grew up in the right family. I grew up in this. I got circumcised. I have the tattoo. I have a cross right here tattoo. I'm in. He's like, no, 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 no. Doesn't matter. He says, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce fruit, this is big, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What he's saying is, listen, to become a Christian, I have to start off saying, I'm changing my mind. Life's not about me, how I look, what I do. I'm not the center of the universe. You are, Jesus. But he's saying the fruit of if you are a Christian is that actually becomes a lifestyle, not a one-time event that I pray to prayer at camp. And so what he's saying is this is a really big deal. Like whenever you hear someone being like, hey, you might want to do this or I have an ax, going to cut you down and throw you in pieces. Like that's, that's a big deal. And sometimes we try not to make things a big deal in church because we don't want to scare anybody. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to inspire you. But I'm trying to say this is weighty. That it shouldn't be like, oh yeah, God kind of changed me seven years ago. That was a good period of time. Really? Like God's like, you're so put together. I just have like three things that work on you in life. Otherwise you're like, like no way. Are you, are you insane? Some of you are like, yeah, a little bit, a little bit off. The crowd responds in a way that probably was surprising. Because once you call people snakes, usually they're triggered and they can't listen to you, right? Look at the response. What should... What should we do then? God said, hey, John, say something that I know you don't want to say. And probably in his mind, is like, this is probably not going to go well. And God's like, trust me. God's going to ask you to do things that you're like, ooh, this will not go well. No, 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 trust me. This is what they need to hear. And instead of just leaving, they said, well, what should we do then? He's probably like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll list out some things for you. John answered, look at how practical this is. Repentance has to be behavioral. That's when it really, you produce fruit. He says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Be generous. 
You guys are stingy. You give a little bit off to the side, but really you just want to build, 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 and become wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. Does that sound like a nation that you guys know of somewhere around the world? Right? Don't get sucked into what the world is, which is all about controlling the future and being set and having this. He goes, you see something, you respond. Don't say someone else will do it. Oh, another ministry will do it. No, you are the ministry. So if there's a need before you, take care of it. There's a need in your connection group, take care of it. There's a need in your neighborhood, take care of it. So rather than being selfish, be generous. He says, even... um, Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? And he says, don't collect any more than you were required to do. Don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't try to get away with something and know nobody knows about it. You got away with it. Don't do that anymore. Repent. Change your mind. Because the world says, if you can get away with it, then you should, right? Any of you that were, uh, that were athletes, you know that. What do athletes constantly do? Professional athletes. They try to find things to give them an advantage. And as long as they don't get what? Caught, then it's pretty legal. That's the way the world is. Same thing in business, right? As long as we don't get caught, then yeah, because the ends justify the means. And the Bible says, no, the means don't justify. So change the way you think as far as your character. Then some of the soldiers asked him, what should we do? And he said, don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And we see what John is saying is, listen, those words produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And repentance is a change of mind of how you think about the situation, yourself or God. I changed my mind. And it should lead to change in behavior. And you will live a fruitful life. That's the message today a fruitful, abundant life that's deeply satisfying. This is what Luke wants us to understand today, and this is what I want us to practice this week. Connection groups, only have two more weeks. Let's get a good discussion this week when it talks about repentance. Let's encourage one another with how God is changing us. Repentance, then, if you want to define it, is a change to change direction in mindset and lifestyle to change direction and mindset and lifestyle. Let's look at some verses. I just kind of want to bathe in some scriptures right now, just a variety of things, and, and just take a look at what does the Bible say about repentance? I'm going to pick a few. If you want to ever do a word study too, I had someone text me this week and they're asking me all these questions. And I'm just like, please go to BibleGateway.com. Like, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. all. Like, where's this? Where's this? I'm like, I don't know. All I'm going to do is go to Bible Gateway and text you 10 minutes later. Why don't you go to BibleGateway.com And you can do these word searches and see all the different ways the scriptures kind of define certain words. It's really fascinating. So if you put repent in BibleGateway.com, you'll see, I'm just going to pick a few. Just think about the way God looks at repentance and how he wants to encourage us. Psalm 51, 10 through 12. This is David crying out to God. And the whole Psalm 51 is about a mindset and a lifestyle of repentance. And I would say repentance starts here. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And just, you know, when we think of heart, normally we think of feelings, right? Back then, the heart is kind of the soul of the person. It's, it's give me a new heart, a way of looking at things, feeling about things, perceiving things. It's, it's everything. It's not just your emotions. It's not just 
change me, I feel bad, make me feel good. That's not it. So he says, purify my mind, purify my soul, purify my intentions, purify my motives. I have these bad motives. Purify my behaviors. It's everything. Where does repentance start? Maybe, maybe for some of us this week, we practice this prayer from Psalm 51. I, I encourage you every day, maybe if I'm really going to repent in the way I'm behaving, in the way I'm not trusting God, or in the way certain sins are just weighing me down, just pray the scriptures. Some of you don't know what to pray. Pray the Bible. Lord, create in me a, a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me or restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. How does God restore the joy of our salvation? By taking us back to the catalyst of salvation, repentance. God, restore my joy. Your joy is being diminished because of maybe certain areas where you're not repenting. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. Timothy is being encouraged by Paul. And he says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them what? Yeah, if I say that, you guys got to say that. All right. All right, we'll grant them what? Hey, all right, we're interacting. Awesome. So how does God grant repentance? Um, he goes on to say that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The reason repentance is important, just so you know, it's not just a psychological battle, it's a spiritual battle. When I lack repentance, I become enslaved to the work of the devil or Satan. Does that make sense? Repentance is not just like, oh, I need to be a better person. Repentance is actually spiritual warfare. A lot of times we think of prayer as spiritual warfare, and it is, right? Like, oh, I'm, you know, something kooky is going on, or, you know, I'm really seeing Satan kind of do some things in my life. And so we pray, we pray, we pray. If you read the Bible, the Bible says, don't just pray, repent, because Satan cannot defeat a repenting person. Some of us are enslaved because God's asked us to repent. No, 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 no. And that gives a foothold to Satan. The longer you let Satan work, the harder it is to repent. I'm just going to be straight up with you. When I do counseling or when I work with people, the longer they let sin fester, greed, Pride, selfishness, anger, bitterness, lack of generosity, it can be sexual. The longer we do that, just so you know, the more power Satan has in our life. I, I don't know how else to say that. I mean, you can just read the Bible and all the way it says that. So when you repent, just so you know, it's not just like, oh, I'm becoming a better person. And, and you are. But you're engaging in spiritual warfare as far as saying, Satan, you have no power. And that's when fruit really comes out in our life. Because when we remove Satan, that's when God says, I can come in and do an amazing work. But if you invite Satan in, 
then God's like, you're going to feel the full consequences of it. Proverbs. Just a couple other passages, okay? Proverbs chapter 1, 22 through 33. All right, let's bathe in this one. This is a doozy, right? How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? In Proverbs, you're going to read about a simple man, and though that is a great rock song, uh, uh, simple just means foolish. What you're going to notice in Proverbs is the lifestyle of a sinful person and a foolish person eventually end up in the same place. You guys have heard me say this before. Not everything is right and wrong, but there is wise and foolish. And I've met many foolish Christians that are like, well, I'm not sinning. Well, yeah, you're not sinning, but foolishness will lead to sin and sin will lead to being captivated by Satan. So the Bible says, don't just look at life as far as what's good and bad. A mature Christian will say, what's wise and foolish? That takes you comes to the next level of producing fruit in lifestyle repentance. So he says, how long, you who are simple or foolish, love your foolish ways? How long will mockers, now he's talking about those that are just wrong, like sinful people, mockers, delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge. Repent at my rebuke. Then, so repent then, repent then, God, why aren't you working in my life? Repent then. We want then first, and then we want to repent. No, bless me first, and then if I like it, then I'll change. And God's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. <laughs> repent, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. What a great blessing that God wants to pour his thoughts, his ways of looking at the world, maybe thoughts of today, maybe thoughts of the future, maybe thoughts that are eternal, maybe just thoughts where his word all of a sudden begins to make sense to you. But he says, listen, what's the reason I can't, the, stat, the line is, has a lot of static on it, is because of our sin. And when you repent, you become more clear-headed and you can then, God can pour in those thoughts to you. He says, I will make known to you my teachings, but since you refuse to listen, when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice, which is really important, repentance isn't just listening to truth, it's responding to truth. Where human beings, if I'm honest, where we're really good is, we're really good at listening at church. You guys are awesome, by the way. You nod, you give me the, you know, like that. You don't, most of you don't fall asleep. You know, you're good. But the Bible says, be careful that you think being a good listener is being a good Christian. Repentance doesn't mean you have good intentions. It means you have good execution. How many of us have seen people that have great intentions in the world, but they don't do anything with it? I have great intentions to be healthy. I have great intentions to build a business. I have great intentions to have a great marriage. I have great intentions to, to raise great kids. Good intentions don't change the world and they don't change you. To start, execution. Get done. Make it happen. That's when things really change in our life. And that's where he says here, he goes, he goes, listen, you refuse to listen. No one pays attention. You disregard my advice and do not accept my rebuke. I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. 
When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a wind, when a distress and trouble overwhelm you. You know what the key word in those sentences? Anybody? What would you circle or underline? Darn, you guys are good. I was kind of tricky. Nice. When. Not if. When. The dangerous part of, of unrepentant sin in our lives is that things go well and we're like, I'm getting away with it. There is no storm. God's word's not true. I'm happier than ever. I have more money than ever. My kids are doing great. This is doing great. And what God is saying is, yeah, but the storm is coming. God's word is always true. Be careful about being lulled that I only repent when the results are bad rather than when the behavior is bad. Does that make sense? When, when these things happen, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. Remember, the waywardness of a fool, not of a sinner. The waywardness of a fool, being foolish, will eventually lead to death. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety, be at ease, without fear or harm. That's the fruit of repentance. The fruit of repentance is this, that there's actually safety in life. We're not in any danger. That will be at ease. There's a sense of peace that comes when you live a lifestyle repentance. You just embrace it. And without fear of harm, that I'm in the midst of God's hands and his protection. Second Corinthians, last passage, Second Corinthians 7.10 says, hey, here's practical repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. One of the things that with repentance is sometimes we're good at feeling bad, but not making changes. Ah, I messed up again. Ah, dang it. And then we just cross our fingers. I hope it works out better next time. You hope. <laughs> what the Bible says is that true godly sorrow, and you will have some. We mess up. We have sorrow. And sorrow doesn't mean depression. Sorrow doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Sorrow doesn't mean that you aren't a Christian. Sorrow just means that, ooh, that's not good. Right? But it leads to then lifestyle changes. Where if you notice in our world, people say, I'm sorry. And I don't know if you've ever asked someone that says that. Hey, I'm sorry, for what? And they're like, uh, I don't know. Is that person really gonna change? What are you sorry for? I don't know, I'm just sorry that you feel bad and that I messed, I don't know. That's why I encourage like in marriages or when you're raising your kids, don't let your kids just say, I'm sorry. You don't even know what for and how are they gonna make changes? I'm sorry for what? Hey, I'm sorry for hitting my sister over and over and over again. Okay, perfect. So what are we not gonna do? Hit my sister over and over again. Yes! <laughs> repentance, you're teaching your kids at a young age repentance. If they can't identify what it is, they can't repent. Some of us as parents are like, I'm sorry is enough. No, it's not. And we do the same thing with God. I'm sorry, my bad, I'm sorry, my bad. And then what happens is then it's like, well, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a horrible person. And God's like, no, no, you're not, you're, you're saved. My spirit's in you. <laughs> 
But you see how you can go down that downward spiral then of becoming then captivated by the thoughts of Satan rather than the thoughts of God. A couple things I just want us to think through. A couple ways for practically like, what does successful change look like? Because I see a lot of us as Christians struggle with this. And I really want to equip us today with some practical things like, what does it mean to kind of live a lifestyle of repentance? Um, the first one up, up here, successful change. Successful change. You see that one, Aiden? There we go. The first thing is this. Make time to let God show you areas of change. I encourage you with having either a daily or a weekly check-in where you say, God, what are you changing in me? Like, do any of us take account of our day saying, where was I off on my attitude? Where was I off on, oh, I was a little sharp with that person. Boy, I did a good thing, but I had really bad motives. Like, just slowing down. Now, here's what I find interesting is many of us, we feel bad about it, and so we don't want to engage in that. Like, but I feel bad about things that I do wrong. I want to encourage you with this. Have this kind of picture here. Does anybody join a band or a sports team and tell the coach, listen, I'm on the team, but don't coach me and don't tell me what I need to change because it makes me feel bad? What's the coach going to say to you or the, the, the band leader? Like, then go somewhere else. Like, go to a self-help group. Like, because we're, we're here to compete. We're here to get things done. And I think some of us feel like, like God does it with this just kind of like spite and anger towards us. What he's saying is, no, I love you and I love you so much, I want to change you because I would hate you to leave you as you are. <laughs> he's excited about the future. And so some of us get guilty and shameful. I want to encourage you with this. When you repent, God has forgiven all of your sins, past, present, future. And that's really important to understand. That's why you'll notice in the Bible, I want to encourage you with this, the Bible never says to repeatedly ask God for forgiveness. I don't know if you noticed that. Every time it's asking for forgiveness, it has to do with salvation. Once you become a Christian, you just thank him for the forgiveness you already have. And that's really important because some of us then will, get, will spiral into shame. He's forgiven you. So now what he says is once you're a Christian, he doesn't keep saying ask for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. He just says, repent. You're already forgiven. Repent. That's, that's all I ask. Some of us will have more tears. Some of us have less tears. Some of us, tears don't show you the depth of your conviction. Change in lifestyle does. I become more generous. I become more kind. My motives become pure and I'm doing it to glorify him rather than to glorify myself. That's when those changes take place. So are we making time to let God show you areas of change? I encourage you one of the things that, that I do, and I, I try to do it every night, but it doesn't always happen this way, but it's just to take account of your day saying, God, is there anything that you weren't pleased with or that you want to change so I can do it better tomorrow? It'll change your marriage. It'll change the way you interact with your kids, but come up with something uh, specific. And that's one of the things I want to encourage you too is that when God convicts you, come up with something specific, not general, to make those changes rather than being like, oh, I just need to become more loving. Well, how do you know if you become more loving, <laughs> you know? I just need to be more patient with the kids. Well, what does that mean? Rather than, all right, my kid says something today that triggered me. High chance they're going to do it tomorrow too. High chance, high probability. What am I going to do in advance to show them the love of God rather than the wrath of God? Right? Come up with something specific as far as, okay, I'm going to smile. I'm not going to yell. And I'm going to do blank, 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 whatever it is, right? 
What I find is that if we don't have specifics, we never make the changes. It's just like when someone's like, I wanna become healthier. Well, how? Okay, I'm gonna stop eating out this next week. Perfect, that's a specific change. Don't eat out. You know if you win, you know if you lose. Rather than being like, I'm just gonna be healthier this week and you get to the end of the week, I have no idea if I was healthier or not, right? So make time for God to specifically make some changes in your life and then try to implement it that week. The second thing is this, focus on thoughts and behaviors, not emotions. Now I'm not saying to emotions don't matter. I'm not saying, you know, hey, emotions don't matter, just get over it. Emotions are good to process, not to base decisions off of. What I like to say is emotions are good indicators in life, not directors. That's when life goes bad, when my emotions just direct me. But they indicate something's going on. Hey, I'm angry. All right, something's going on. But when you focus on thoughts, that usually then changes your emotions, and emotions changes your behaviors. And where God wants to change is all three of those. But focus on thoughts and behaviors, not emotions, as far as what you want to change. Well, I don't want to change, you know, I'm, I'm just, I have a lot of anger. I just get angry really quickly. Okay, well, focus on what's the thought that's generating that anger. Your thoughts generate emotions. There's some kind of thought that's there. So that's when you're kind of getting deeper in repentance and you're not just making these surface changes. Really focus on what's the thought that's generating this emotion. Is that a proper thought or not? I'm angry because life's not going my way and I feel like God's not throwing me a bone and nothing's going my way. Well, that's a powerful thought. If I feel like that God has it out for me and he never blesses me and he blesses others and that's why I'm angry, you should probably sit on that. <laughs> what do I need to repent of? Well, maybe comparing yourselves to other people. What do I need to repent of? Maybe God's saying, hey, let me prune before you're really fruitful. What's the other thing maybe God's saying? You're not the only one. We all go through it. There's a lot of different thoughts that can generate that emotion. And once I can change those thoughts, then I can change my behaviors. Does that make sense? The third thing is this. Share it for support and encouragement. Share it for support and encouragement. What I find is if we keep something a secret, we make it very hard to implement. And it's easy to then to compromise and never follow through on it. Have you guys noticed that? Like, I think it was interesting during the pandemic, uh, I don't, did anybody buy a Peloton bike or like a, um, what do you call those? Why am I blanking on, I'm saying windmill. It's not a windmill. Treadmill, thank you. I was like, nobody's gonna buy a windmill. <laughs> That'd be funny though. You're like, oh, I bought a windmill during the pandemic. All right, <laughs> producing my own electricity. All right, um, you know, but that was big, just so you know. I mean, if you, if you follow stocks, like Peloton went from nothing to like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Like it's just, and what was interesting, I don't know if you remember, people were like, this is the new way that people are going to do uh, fitness. That was like on the news, like, this is the new way. People are always going to do it. You know what's happened since then? Sales have gone to nothing, right? Their subscribers have slowed down, right? Why do all the, and gyms, more packed than ever. I have a friend who's a gym owner. And uh, I said, hey, how, how's your numbers? He's like, better than pre-pandemic. Why is that? Because if any of you have noticed, if you're like, I'm going to work out, but you keep it to yourself and I'm going to do it and I'm just going to wake up in my own home and you're motivated for like one week and then what do you start doing with that treadmill or with that Peloton bike? You put your clothes on it, right? It collects dust, right? Why will gyms always be popular? 
because all of us need accountability that someone knows we're going to be showing up. I pay a trainer or I join a friend there. Motivation, but also accountability. And many of us wonder why we struggle with repentance because we keep it in our minds because I don't want to share it because either I'm afraid I won't succeed and they'll know or we think Christianity is about just toughen up and I just need to do it. And it's like, no, that's not Christianity. If you really want to succeed, I want you guys to succeed in a lifestyle of repentance. The only way you can do it is you got to make time for Jesus to talk to you through his word and through his spirit saying, change this. And don't feel guilty about it. Be like, thank you. I appreciate that. The second thing is focus on the thoughts and your behaviors, not just how you feel. Because then you can really know specifically what to change. And the third thing is share it with someone. Connection group. That's why we have those connection groups. If you're not in one, I don't know who you're talking to. Find someone then if you're not in a connection group. But if you're not talking about it and you're not thinking about it, I think repentance then probably isn't happening in our lives. And if it's not happening, that means that we're not a fruitful church. And a fruitful church is not the quality of the sermon, the quality of the programming, the quality of the building. The fruitfulness of the church is the quality of repentance in the people. And I hope that's where God blesses us this week. So I know you guys got a light, fluffy talk this week, you know, kind of real surfacey for something to think through. Connection groups, we're going to jump into it. So really take your time. Think about these questions. If you're not in a connection group on your own, try to find another Christian, process this stuff with them, and I think you'll see really cool, exciting fruit of God working in your life. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to worship. I'm going to let God kind of speak to you through these words that we're going to be singing about. Um, As we take communion, I want to encourage you that this is a reminder of how much God loves you. And so if you come here and there's, there's guilt, there's shame, there's a burden, he wants to lighten it by saying, I've forgiven you of all your sins. Receive my love so I can change you. And so we, we take communion with actually great joy, but also great heaviness as far as Jesus paid the price for our rebellion. And we're just thankful. If you want to take it by yourself, maybe contemplate a little bit. You and Jesus, great. Maybe you got some family here, or maybe God's telling you there's someone here and they're like, hey, take me with them, invite them in. Just let God speak to you as we worship and as we sing. So Jesus, we come before you now. And God, I know this is something that's difficult for us, but I think it's difficult because honestly, we're, as people, we don't want to change. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult. Some of us are fearful of change. Uh, God, some of us, there's pride there. We don't want others to know that we're weak or that you're convicting us. Or, God, I just pray we would do away with all that. None of that stuff matters. Lord, we want to see you fruitful in our lives, in our marriages, in our family, and in our church. And we will do whatever it takes. So Jesus, speak to us. Rebuke us. Challenge us. We know that you're doing it out of love. And so we worship you, God, recognizing that you know how to best change us. So God, may we embrace that. May we live it as a lifestyle. And may we not care what people think about us, but only what you think about us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to gotoaccesschurch.com. 